Good evening, good evening, good evening. Let's get into another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Minus the Wildcat, he got uh, call away for some uh, duties, but he'll be back at our next podcast hopefully. So it's just KG and Doc this evening. Doc, how are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Let's get right into it. I've, these last 48 hours or so have, have been something for a team 29 and 29, otherwise known as 500, the Houston Rockets. <laughs> when I uh, went to sleep last night, the Rockets were trailing at halftime to Portland by double digits. And I was last thing I remember is TNT, Charles and Kenny and the crew making fun of the Rockets' porous defense and and the lack of effort on defense and and can't do this right, can't do that right, and Kenny pointing out the video board and this is where the Rockets defense is wrong and all things wrong with the Rockets. And then Doc would wake up this morning and see that the Rockets came from behind, came from twenty one points down in the third quarter to defeat the Portland Trailblazers on the road and won by I think was it fourteen points. It went going away. Let me see the final score and get it right here. Let's and that's when I went to sleep after the third quarter. So I stayed. They're making a comeback. It was 119-105. So they won by 14 points. So Harden scored 46 points and eight assists. Dwight had 13 rebounds. So uh, yep, the Rockets outscored. Rockets put up 70 points in the second half. Outscored the Blazers 70 to 41 to win by 14 points. And that's the defense. I think the big picture is you go on the defense is the fact that they held the Portland Trailblazers to 12 teams in a quarter. You know, we talk about I scored some the Blazers 33 to 12 in the fourth quarter, 33-12. We yeah. talk about some of the women's basketball and the fact that they can't score. To only put up 12 points is concerning. That's the that's Trailblazers. and the Blazers had won six in a row and moved ahead of Rockets in the Western Conference standings. But uh, the Blazers had a this is the early early season back in November I think when they blew a big lead home game to uh, my Pistons mm-hmm. when Reddy Jackson went off of 40. Almost similar kind of scenario. Had, right. They had the Pistons down by double digits in the fourth quarter, and I think the Detroit held the Blazers to, oh, my gosh, almost, if not 12, might have been less. Let me see if I can get that Bosco real quick. I hope my uh, Reagan colleague won't mind me reminiscing about uh, the glory years when the Pistons won the five of the first six games this season, and everybody thought they were uh, – had turned a ship around and were one of the teams to beat. And I was like, yeah, well, slow your roll. It's just, you know. <laughs> and they've come back to earth, and they're now 29-29 as well. It's amazing how perspective impacts people because Detroit is 29-29, and and most folks think that's a success. The Rockets are 29-29. And, and the world's falling apart. Exactly. And, of course, you know, Rockets went to the Western Conference Finals last year, and Detroit missed the playoffs for the sixth straight season. But um, – it's all about how you look at things and where you come from and where you came from. So, Doc, in addition to that, the Rockets Friday waived Marcus Thornton to uh, save some cap room. Yeah, let me, here, here is it. The Pistons held the Blazers to 11 points in the fourth quarter. I was causing 41 to 11 in the fourth quarter and won by 17 points going away. So, so yeah, so the. Blazers have Very blown big similar. leads before. They had a 13-point lead over the Pistons going in the fourth quarter. Last night they had a 15-point lead over the Rockets going in the fourth quarter and lost both both of them. Very similar. Eerie similar to Portland fans. So uh, Rockets wave Marcus Thornton. It's a cap. I mean, Marcus Thornton's role 
on the Rockets this season fluctuated almost game to game, if, if not week to week. You didn't, didn't know when he was going to play, when he wasn't going to play. It was hard to get, you know, consistent minutes for him. And then he was part of the voided, well, rescinded trade with the Nottis Motor Units and Thornton going to Detroit for uh, Joel Anthony, and it was rescinded. So both all the players involved went back to their original teams. And Thornton had uh, been on the New Orleans squad when Pistons GM Jeff Bauer was part of that organization, so they had a working relationship then. And so Thornton was kind of looking forward to going to the Pistons because he knew he had worked with someone and knew his game, and he was looking forward to that. And so when the deal was rescinded to the trade it wasn't right so when the deal was rescinded that kind of set him back a bit and then when he didn't play I don't he didn't play at all I think in the uh, last night's game against the Blazers and Jason Terry's has uh, moved ahead of him in the rotation so Thornton and his agent worked Tony Dutt uh, worked to talk to the Rockets and Rockets agreed to waive him and give Marcus a chance to sign with a playoff team and maybe uh, sign with Detroit it'd be interesting to see I'm, I'm not I remember you said in the last podcast that the Pistons would make the playoffs. I'm still not convinced that as uh, that they will. Like a half game out in the East, we'll see. I hope they do right. in the drought. But they're battling a lot of injuries right now. I think they have, let's see, Stanley Johnson, rookie, is out for a couple of weeks. Anthony Tolliver is out for a couple of weeks with injuries. And they already had two other guys out with injuries. They haven't played all year, basically. So they're kind of thin with reserves. So we'll see how they, that all goes out. But... Detroit, after we, because we talked about uh, on Ralph's show on Casey Waits, Anthony Davis dropping 59 and 20 on the Pistons and was awesome. And Detroit, I think, had a come to Jesus meeting after that awful showing defensively. They beat Cleveland the next night uh, by, I think, double digits. Held LeBron to, uh, I don't say hell, LeBron. LeBron had a struggle. Didn't shoot the ball very well. Detroit won in Cleveland. And then two nights later, Detroit blasted the Woeful Sixers. So they've won, I think, two in a row for the Pistons to get back to 500. So after being made a mockery at their, their own hands, getting lit up by one player for 59 points, they've improved their defense the last two games. So with maybe that embarrassment helped turn the ship in the right direction for Detroit. But, Doc, CBS – NBA writer Ken Berger wrote in a an article this week basically talking about the uh, power of superstar players in the league. Mm. And within the article, he basically said that James Harden got Kevin McHale fired. Uh, Rockets T- CEO Tad Brown said last night, it's not true. Never, nothing could be further from the truth. And he also said, Tad Brown also said that uh, the reports of uh, written by NBA icon writer Fran Blindberry a few weeks ago that uh, Harden and Howard, if they, within days after Damian Lillard hit that shot and eliminated the Rockets in the playoffs, Howard and Harden both went to Rockets management and said they wanted the other gone. Tad Brown said, that's not true. Yeah, that doesn't sound... So... Someone's telling tall tales, or someone's sources are are not correct, or Tad Brown is misremembering things, or he's trying to <laughs> he's trying to spin things his own way, and you know, because he wants to make it wants to make it clear that wants to make it look like it's clear that he, Daryl Morey, and Owen Alex, Les Alexander are the ones in 
in charge and and anything heard about rumors and things of that sort that get out is not true. So it's it's a nice spin and, and, and things of that sort. But Sounds I good. think there's some truth in, in all of this stuff. Very you, you, you dig a little deeper, there's bits and pieces of truth in, in all these scenarios. So we never, we never know. You know, it could have been, who knows, a player, an agent, a relative of a player. You know, a player could have been upset and told one of his boys, I want this dude gone, man. You know, I'm, you know, whatever. And then that, that person, that relative went to somebody and said, well, my man said he wanted him gone. Could have been just, you know, been joking. Yeah. Um, you know, talking to him, talking to him, yeah. Casual conversation after frustrating into a... And that becomes a source. That becomes, you know, so... And it was said literally, but it was said in just... Right, you know. And it wasn't said to management. But I think an interesting component to look at is this, you know, what is so bad about a player voicing his opinion on a coach or a staff member? Obviously, I think if you're a good manager and you're listening to your organization, you listen to everybody doesn't mean you necessarily follow opinions, but follow that thought or opinion. But I would think as a good organization, person in the leadership position that is making decisions that you listen to everybody and you take it in for some thought. And ultimately you decide where you're going with your organization and if that component or that framework of statement of thought makes sense. You take it in and you ultimately make your own decision. So I think it's intriguing that we come up with this thought process that players are just supposed to be quiet and just dribble the basketball, shoot the basketball, run the football, hit the ball, baseball, as if they're not intelligent enough to have thought about the game that they play. And, and this isn't new. It goes back. Stars have, in any sport, yes. have have. Maneuver wielded their power. Yes, you know the famous. I'm going to paraphrase the quote, but uh, Babe Ruth, long time ago, felt like he should have been deserved a raise in his salary. And the thing reporter said, "But Babe, that's more than the president made or makes." And Babe said, "I had a better year than he did." <laughs> I loved it. So you know, that's very true. I recall that. Now. <laughs> so you know, I, I mean. <laughs> And we know, let's fast forward into the 80s. Magic Johnson got uh, Paul Westhead fired. And everybody knows it, you know. I mean, star player LeBron wields his power. Mm, yes. Grant Hill used his power back in Detroit. Got Doug Collins fired. I think Doug Collins was having a burnout and about to melt down. He fired himself, really, because he was just really, I could go into some stories about all that kind of stuff from Reading right, and talking about that, yeah. you know that. But I think oftentimes, as you alluded to at the very beginning, much of that is a sum of the entire story. So parts of it is the fact, oftentimes, that the player may be not feeling comfortable with the coaches and his ability, or frustrated and tired. But very seldom, do I think, an organization leans just on that. They, in a lot of ways, are already going in a certain direction. And the comments from a player might push them over the edge or may start the ball moving in that direction. But I would think that it's very seldom that actually just a player's 
uh, emotions and thoughts and wants are able to just move an entire organization in that direction. And here's a, a line, a, a sentence from CBS Sports article from Ken Berger. Few players in the NBA have been as assertive as Harden when it comes to a franchise when it comes to franchise shaping decisions of the highest order. <laughs> Multiple league sources told CBS Sports that Harden pushed management to dump McHale and has since angled for the Rockets to trade Howard. Rockets GM Daryl Morey delivered on the first demand but was unable to find a suitable deal for Howard at the trade deadline this month. Quote, It's really bad for the locker room dynamic. A person familiar with the situation told CBS Sports, If everybody knows that James Harden can fire you or trade you, are you going to pass the ball to Dwight or are you going to pass the ball to James Harden? End quote. Now, <laughs> quote from Tad Brown the CEO of the Rockets organization. I can tell you unequivocally, being part of that team, those things have never happened. That's frustrating, and for whatever reason, it's been a constant throughout this season. As we struggle, and as we continue to struggle a little bit on the court, trying to get things to where we want them to be, that people have continued to take shots at our guys, take shots at our team, with unnamed sources being the ones who routinely provide that information, end quote. I do agree with, from this framework, I think it's really not necessarily cowardly, but it just doesn't really seem befitting of a journalist, particularly at that level, doing work to just lean on anonymous sources, particularly when you throwing somebody under the bus at that level. If it's true, obviously put it on the table and put it out there. But if it's just a quote, a, a anonymous source, and it might be true, you're talking about really going in on the individual. And for oftentimes, I would say from heart and sake now, in a lot of ways, I hope it's true because he's going to get the brunt of this similar LeBron James, whether it's true or not. And I just think in a lot of ways, you see why players become hardened with talking with people and things of that nature. P pun intended. Hardened. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, with the media and some degree fans and just kind of like, all right, I'm going to do the minimum necessary to move on because it seems like now, for whatever reason, just people see players as individuals that are not necessarily uh, satisfied with their position. And it seems like we want to put players in this 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 compartmentalize them in such right. a way that they shouldn't have thought. And and let me <clears throat> add some some comments to it from a couple of perspectives, two perspectives. <clears throat> you know, being um owner, webmaster of the Houston Round Ball Review. You know, I, I had sources, I I have sources and I had to develop a relationship with players and coaches and 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 things like that and I've had to transition from that for different you know, a lot of different reasons in the last few years. But I think last year I mentioned on this podcast I got I got burned by a source 
when it pertained to the U of H women's head coaching job. Mm-hmm. You know, and then this person told me that, that they were going to name a coach, a person, the head coach. I put it out there in blog, and I admit I worded the the subject, the title of it wrong, misleading it. And I could understand looking back on it how it, it could be interpreted, you know, the way I did not want it to be uh, interpreted. Right. And, you know, and, and then I got flack and, and uh, went off on some folks unnecessarily acted kind of unprofessionally, <laughs> and I shouldn't have done all that. Um, so I didn't, you know, but that's source. And then uh, two other people tell me the same thing. So I went out there, but I got bitten by the bug of some people. Well, the for, for be, the growing trend in media reporting is trying to be first rather yeah. than being right. right. So because I, I I put that blog post together before my plane took off, so. At this point, my plan to have Wi-Fi, so I want to have my story out there before anybody else. So Eagle great, got great point. Eagle got involved in there, and I won't do that again. So, but going back even further, you know, I talk to players and coaches and off the record a whole lot here, but all kinds of things and be at practices and 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 that's one thing I miss about practice. You can see stuff in practice that you can't tell nobody else, right? Because it's in practice and no cameras around, the coaches and the players. They trust you, and they realize you're not going. You're not going to tell anybody, and that's why you're in practice. Because Very true. some things and different teams that have different philosophies of it. Because certain things happen when cameras are in loud, allowed in the practice. May have to be the first 15 minutes or the last 15 minutes. For example, a fight breaks out, and the cameras are there. That'd be the last time the cameras will be there, because the coaches do not want that stuff to get out. So that and that has happened locally. Yes. So. But in getting to your part about the players and people trying to compartmentalize them, it's one thing I th- think that more and more players like the Players Tribune website. You're seeing more and more players take, try to take care of their brand, tell their story from their point of view, their perspective, their writing, their quotes, etc. So you're seeing more and more of that happen. And I don't have a problem with that. You know, uh being the sole right now, the sole person of the Houston Round Bar Review, I can I'm flexible enough to get my stories, do my write up however I want to do it. I'm not dependent on quotes from player X to tell my story or to get out my product. So different media, the older media, you know, and it's the that that's still part of print journalism but even most of them are, right. have gravitated more toward online writing but they still have deadlines so they need a quote they gotta have that quote they gotta have something good from a player so naturally their perspective is this player didn't give me what I wanted or I don't like this quote or whatever I got deadline I need a quote he's not gonna talk tonight why is he gonna talk I need a quote I need a quote my editor said I need a quote he's not gonna talk tonight she or she not gonna talk tonight. What am I supposed to do? Tell you a story without a quote. I can't do that. You know. So that that <laughs> that that still happens. That's real. You know that still happens. I don't have that problem. I don't have deadlines. You know. Nor are you driven <clears throat> um, to the monetization that some of these vehicles out here are driven to, which is which creates a different framework, which in a lot of ways uh, has changed, as you said. The platform that drives media, and, as you said, the need to be first, also the need to be 
sensational, a lot more ever than before. Uh, I see, you know, while don't necessarily want to cross over to that area, but we talk about all things. We see it even more and more on the political side. Sure. Where it's really gotten ridiculous where you actually have political officials that can throw things out there <laughs> as if they're fact and they're not, you know, just coming off the debate right here. Not, not even close to being factual. Yeah, you talk about Donald Trump, not that I'm a fan of Donald Trump, uh, but the fact that you can put out there that he <laughs> may have tax issues as if it's uh, his his withholding his taxes is criminal that he's going to go on the criminal investigation, I think it's ridiculous to make that without providing any source or any likelihood of why you believe this to be true. You just say it because you can. And and people run with it. People... Yeah, it becomes headline news. Yeah, don't even try to justify it. Yeah, it yeah. just comes and uh, you can go to places like Google and, and you... Uh, um, AOL or whatever, and you start reading on the captions, and they actually go in between news, uh, this talk, ad, sponsorship, and if you're not careful, they just go three or four shots at a time, and you're thinking it's all news, and if you're not careful and you don't look closely, you don't realize that, oh, this is just chatter from a blog or some site that's just putting up there. So it's really crazy in a lot of ways. Without a doubt. Doc. What are your thoughts about this heat and Joe Johnson? You know, you, before we yeah. move on to the Joe Johnson level. and the Brooklyn Nets <clears throat> uh, basically did a similar thing. Obviously, far more money than Rockets and Marcus Thornton, but agreed to a buyout. And now the reports are that uh, Joe Johnson, ISO Joe, as one of his nicknames, is agreeing is close to agreeing to a deal with the Heat. It gives the Miami an, another score. It gives them another three point threat. Uh, some more versatility when uh, D Wade is his, his body's breaking down and taking you know need to take a, a game off. Plus, with um, issues with Chris Bosh's health, and he may or may not right. You know, decide to uh, not play the rest of the season. That could the Heat need that scoring option, and right. and Johnson can definitely fill help fill that void. And without Chris Bosh, he's done pretty well. You know, the the Heat's record, the last you know, he's doing he he's doing a great job. Eric Spolster deserves some consideration. They're thirty two and twenty five, and they're they played the Warriors great earlier this week. It's a very good game. <clears throat> They've dealt with all kinds of issues health-wise, and they're still there. They're the fourth-best team in the East. And adding Johnson, I don't think, I don't believe it will hurt them right. it doesn't much at all. Yeah. <clears throat> so we'll see how that goes. And it's not a, a great thing for my Pistons, <clears throat> but from a basketball, from a, a general basketball standpoint, I think it's a very good move for Heaton to give Johnson a chance to uh, – Competing in the playoffs again. So, you know, good form. Sir. Doc. <clears throat> you want to talk about the swag now? I want to talk about U of H and their big win. Their, well, big as in 
large margin of victory because the opponent <laughs> that they defeated is going through the motion this season. I'm talking about UCF on Wednesday. Go ahead, jump in there. But uh, the Cougars, offensively, the Cougars played probably one of their best games this season to get their 20th win. They're 20, 20 and 8 overall, 10 and 6 in the American Athletic Conference. They clinched a first round bye in the, the conference championship tournament, which I think starts, starts Thursday next week. I think something like that, Thursday, Friday. But they they laid the wood to UCF on Wednesday. Game was on ESP, ESPNU, I think. Uh, beat them 88 61 on the road. Setting up a, a key conference game on Sunday afternoon. That's a big one. At 12 against U- at UConn. UConn 10 and 5. Cougars are 10 and 6. Cougars got two more uh, conference games to go. So, but I mean, offensively, Cougars, if I remember right, Cougars trailed UCF roughly 12 minutes left in the first half, 22 to 21. They ended up leading at halftime, 37-25. At some point, roughly 10 minutes left in the second half, the Cougars were up 67-37. So, in 20 minutes, roughly, they outscored UCF 40-10 to 10 or something like that. You know, they just went to work. They went to work, and it was really, it was really fun to see um, how they did. They just offense just clicked. And got offensive production from a lot of different people. And so uh, you can go to uh, U of H's YouTube site, and I'll post a video on my site as well, um, com, probably later on tonight or, or Saturday, as uh, Coach Kelvin Sampson will preview the upcoming game on uh, Sunday afternoon versus UConn. And I'm slowly uh, adding things to the homepage of HoustonRoundBarview.com. I got... Uh, I post some videos, try to do more little links and stories from the local teams, U of H, Rice, TSU, after they win, getting recaps from the schools. I put that on the website. I have some Instagram photos on the website and then the right side of the page, along with the uh, medallion, the Guy B. Lewis Award medallion. We announced our top ten finalists for that award, and fans can vote for, the, uh, for their uh, choice until March 24th. So go to HoustonRoundBarView.com. Click on the Gabby Lewis Award medallion and go to the website and cast your votes for that. See what the 10 finalists are. Once again, listeners, the banquet will be March 31st, 6 p.m. at the U of H Athletic Alumni Center. And we're working on some things. We had our uh, teleconference earlier this week, discussed some things that we're, we're trying to get finalized. And and you, everyone is invited to attend. Uh, all 10 finalists should be there. We're going to announce the winner. And uh, since the Final Four is in town and the um, championship game, semifinals games will be that Saturday, just two days after our award banquet, the college coaches will be in town. So we may have a few college coaches stop by to attend. So we've got a lot of irons in the fire that we're, we're working on. So you can go to GuyVLewisWar.org. But, of course, you can always go to HoustonRoundBarView.com, um, check out Information there, I'll post there as well as on my on at my Twitter account at the HR Review. It also ties into the Guy B. Lewis Award uh, Twitter account as well because I'm one of the administrators for that. I'm on the board of the Greater Houston um, Area Basketball Association for 
boys basketball. This will be the fifth year of uh, the award. Previous winners include Rasheed Suleiman, Aaron Harrison, Justice Winslow, and Galen Robinson Jr. So uh, that's pretty cool. So it's it's a it's a big honor, and we're going to try to get I think two of those four players to uh, attend the award ceremony. Obviously, uh, I think Aaron is in the D League, and Justice is with the Heat, so they probably be busy. He won't be able to come. Just a little, just you know, but Galen. He's right here in town, so it, you know he can just walk to the the uh, banquet since he plays for U of H. So hopefully, unless you know, heck, U of H catch lightning in a bottle and is in the Final Four, you know he may not be able to attend. But other than that miracle happening, hopefully he'll be there and, and uh, say something as well. But yes, you can go to GavyLewisWar.org as well as HoustonRoundBarReview.com for information on that. Like I said, you can cast your votes. You can vote until March 24th. That's one week before we have our award banquet. So check that out. And like I said, Doc, Uvates, UConn, high noon, Sunday afternoon, this Sunday. That is February 28th on CBS Sports Network. Should be a good one. Um, the two teams played earlier this year in Hoffman's Van. I think the, the uh, margin of victory for UConn was... Let's see, what was it? It was kind of disappointing. UVA, there was a game UVA had a chance to win, but right. they just didn't didn't close didn't close out the deal. So actually, actually, I remember what happened. UVA, UConn pulled away because uh, UVA led at halftime and then just got ice went ice cold in the second half, and, and UConn won uh, by twelve. But they think they outscored UVA in the final couple minutes by like eight points to uh, make the margin of victory larger than the game was for the most part. But 10-5 UConn, 10-6 U of H in conference. Let me just tell you about the standings. Excluding SMU because they're, they're banned from postseason. Temple's 11-4. Tulsa's 11-5. Cincinnati is 10-5. UConn is 10-5. U of H is 10-6. So we got five teams separated by a game and a half. Should be interesting. Should be fun. And the four teams above U of H are all in ESPN's uh, Cholinardi's latest bracketology in the NCAA tournament. I think that's too, too many. <laughs> but we shall see how it all plays out. I think two of those teams are in the uh, first four game. One thing I learned, it was mentioned to us a few times that the recent mock selection is do not refer to those games as playing Playing, games. They are the first four because they're not playing in the tournament. They are in the tournament. So they are our first four games. Yes, and they may not feel like it, but by definition, they are in the tournament. Yes. And I will honor the NCAA's request as I poke fun out of them in different ways. And that's fine, too. That's what we do that as well. (laughs) So, ah, well, even – Jerry, Jerry Palm at CBS Sports, he now has three teams from the American Athletic Conference mm. in the tournament. At one point, right around about two weeks ago, he had one. That's right. And that was the conference champ. So Things are going in the right, trending in the right direction. That's a good, you know. We'll see how it all plays out. And I think it helps that these teams are winning. And I think teams have beaten SMU in conference. And they have teams around the country 
have lost as well. Like LSU is pretty much done. LSU is done. That they have to win the SEC tournament to get to the, to the NCAA tournament because they've just gone in the wrong direction. So that was one of the teams that were, was a bubble team, and LSU stumbling has hurt U of H's chances because that was one of U of H's best quality wins. Quality wins. So you got RPIs for the teams, the top teams in American Temple fifty five, Tulsa thirty four. Cincinnati 60, UConn 43, and the U of H at 87. So, and and U of H's 87 is largely in due because their non-conference schedule was not up to par. And I've mentioned that numerous times in podcasts. And I hope that the 2016-2017 non-conference schedule is much, much better than its past season because it has to be. If they want to, A, attract more fans to come see them play at Hall Final Pavilion, and then, B, improve that strength of schedule non-conference, they have to schedule tougher opponents. No question about it. Who are you, Doc? How can folks find you? Yes, I'm Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, the sports professor, a.k.a. the data doctor, a professor of sport management at Texas Southern University. You can also find me as a sports analyst on Ralph Cooper's sports show, known as Sports Rap. And I also have a show that I co-host called Doctorville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. I co-host it with three other general gentlemen, uh, Charles Bishop, Mike Washington, Ryan McGinty. We come on every Tuesday, 6 to 7 Central Standard Time, uh, right there on KKBQ, 92.2 FM HD2, uh, if you can listen to it. On that platform, you can also listen to it if you want to watch us in the studio and see how we uh, go about our business. You can watch it live and listen as well at uh, com and click on TV or you can go straight to just KCOH TV or KCOH live stream. Any of those vehicles will get you there. Um, if you're not able to catch it live, because you can also do tune in app and just go into KCOH, you can listen to it uh, as a podcast. The podcast is held at SoundCloud. Go into www.soundcloud.com and you can do a search on Dr. Cavill's D-R-C-A-V-I-L. If that doesn't pull it up, you can go a little further and go Dr. Cavill's Inside and that should get you there. Again, that's Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Um, and you'll hear us call it Sports Lab for short at time, HBCU Sports Lab for short. But that's what we're referring to to our show. Let's get into some HBCU updates for our HBCU fans out there. For those that want to make sure that they're abreast on all sporting natures, whether that's professional or college. And sometimes we even get into the high school. Fifth Ward Wildcat is not here, so you might not hear it on this podcast. But you'll get a chance to get a little more of it. Big news for the FAMU Rattlers, positive-wise, that kind of touch on basketball. So I'll bring it up. The NCA has provided a relief gift, however you want to see it. Essentially, NCA to lift FAMU's APR postseason ban. The Rattlers basketball will be eligible for the 2017 MEAC tournament. That's spring practice restrictions lifted for football as well. That is a huge load of relief for the Rattlers. New athletic director um, originally thought they weren't getting the relief, but it looks like they uh, were able to show some major improvements. 
with the changes he has made and are definitely headed in the right direction. So that is big news for the Rattler fans out there. As well as the MEAC, I think it just makes for it more entertaining. And for those that follow HBCU sports, particularly football, knows that FAMU is a significant brand of the HBCU athletic program. So I believe that's a good thing to see them back in the mix and able to play for a championship. Basketball early was trending in the right direction. They've taken a dip late, so they still have a lot of work to do. But now you can at least uh, believe that you can go recruit some players. You should be able to retain your players, which has been an issue for them. Those that uh, do well and are cherry-picked by other teams that are able to go to the playoffs, um, they're able to leave without any restrictions. So that hurts them. So this is a chance for them to maintain some solid players if they have them. Obviously, they'll need to maintain all their athletes to continue to stay on APR restriction, make sure they matriculate through graduation, as well as a bit of good news on the recruiting end. With that, let's get down and dirty and look at some teams. Right now, hot and heavy to give you updates, you have the CIAA tournament. You're talking about big-time action in the CIAA. That's the tournament at the mid-major level that is getting it done in next week. You get into the SIEC Gulf Coast Athletic Conference action at the NIA level. <clears throat> so those are some things that are going on right now that people are excited about in terms of men's basketball. Some early scores that uh, got things started. Tip off on February 26th, you had Bowie State uh, losing to Virginia State for some people. Uh, that was an upset. That was on the men's side. You also had Virginia Union on the women's side defeating Livingstone as they continue to play. Shaw defeats uh, Shawan, the women's basketball side, 86-77 as you progress through the tournament. You had a Virginia Union defeat of Shaw on the men's side, uh, just kind of going back in terms of things that were taking place. So it looks like they're hot and heavy. You have some games that will come on this evening, later in the night. Uh, you have the men's side, Livingstone and Virginia Union, to see who will head into the championship game. So this big-time game, uh, as you're looking at it, and you have Shaw versus Virginia Union. That's what everybody wanted to see. Those are two top 15 teams nationally at the NCAA Division II level. Shaw and Virginia Union uh, are pretty solid teams in terms of a big-time matchup. That a lot of people are looking for. Both of them have won their respective divisions uh, and did what they did all year long. So this is just a continuation of what was going on. Before the end of the season, Virginia Union was ranked 13th as of uh, this past Monday, 22-2. and two. I'll say that again, playing some good basketball there. 22-2. and two. You had Southern. Um, the Southern Division was represented by Shaw, which was 22-6. and six. So that was the matchup that I talked about and was cheering for and wanted to see, particularly on the women's side. And in these tournaments, sometimes it's hard to get the best two teams to actually right, sure. finish off what they're supposed to. So 4 o'clock tomorrow, big-time game. I'll be watching this uh, live on the Stats View. If I can find out it's, it's on the broadcast, I'll definitely watch it because I think this is going to be a fantastic matchup with the uh, Shaw receiving votes in Virginia Union, again, a top 15 program. It'll be interesting to see if they can continue to get it done. So let's stick with the mid-majors and kind of give you some updates 
on the top five programs. Uh, if you look at the top five programs on the women's side, just dropping out of the poll this week is Shaw Lady Bears. They did have one loss before heading in the tournament as they closed out the regular season. They were ranked five, so they dropped out. It looks like they're going to probably get pushed back in the top five with this run in the tournament until some other things shake out. But uh, receiving votes uh, were uh, Shaw Lady Bears. And the Shaw Lady Bears, as I said, they're receiving votes at the national level, Division Two teams. Also surprising some people is Houston Tillerson out of the Red River Athletic Conference. They've come in stronger late. They're receiving votes at the NIA level at the national level. So number four is Kentucky State Lady Thoroughbeds coming after the number five Langston Lady Lions, 17-6, 11-4. They fell one spot as Kentucky State Lady Thoroughbeds jump in the top 25. Bringing us to number three, Virginia Union Lady Panthers, 22-2, and 14-12. They're ranked uh, 13th nationally. Kentucky State is a nationally ranked team receiving votes. If you looked at the top 30 teams, they would essentially be ranked 27, just two spots out of the top 25. Number two, Talladega Lady Tornadoes, 22 and 3, 11-0 in the conference race, dominating conference competition. They're ranked two and they hold that spot. They're ranked nationally at number 15 uh, at the NIA level. Number one is Benedict Lady Tigers, 24 and 2, 14 and 2. Uh, ranked number one, they weren't 14th nationally. This is another side on the SIAC tournament. Oftentimes, um, things do not go to course, but as we talked about, the CIAA, we got our wishes. It'd be nice to see this. 14th, seeing number four play number one in terms of my top five poll, which is Kentucky State Lady Thoroughbreds versus Benedict Lady Tigers as they start the tournament last week. Both of them are also uh, in divisional alignments. So when you look at the division, you have Benedict ranked number 14 right there behind Virginia Union 24 and 2 on the season 14 and 2 as I said it was nice to see them play in a championship SIC game against Kentucky State who was ranked essentially 27th in the nation receiving votes 21 and 3 and 14 and 2 we'll keep our eyes and let you know what's going on there on the men's side you have Virginia State 20 and 5 8 and 2 as we said um, they're trying to play their way into the tournament they got a big win uh, today, so they're in the finals, and they'll find out whether they'll play Virginia Livingstone or Virginia Union. If they play Virginia Union, that will be intriguing. That would be old backyard rivalry for championships. Doesn't get much better than that. It is in Carolina, so those folks in Carolina can relate to that. Public private be similar to a North Carolina Tar Heels and Duke championship for a uh, ACC championship. Same type of vigor in this rival. As Virginia State was rolling, one of the losses that you see of those two in the conference rate comes to Virginia Union. So Virginia Union has defeated Virginia State, so they're interesting. They play a Livingstone team, as I said, later tonight that comes in um, before the couple of games they won the tournament. They were 12-16, and 7-9, 4 and 7-9-4-6, so it would surprise me if Virginia Union didn't get it done and set up that matchup. So that's one to keep your eyes on uh, as you close out on the CIAA tournament, one of the largest in the country um, financially and in terms of attendance. Big time parties. I went last year. Say that again. Big time parties. One of the largest in the what? Largest in the country. They're like third or fourth in respective in terms of attendance of any of the large Power five conferences we talked about. At one time, they were ranked up to three. They were start third largest. They've kind of shifted a little uh, behind that in terms of money. But in terms of what they bring financially to Charlotte, 
no equivalents. They are top three, four, five program conferences at any level getting it done. So, so, so you're saying that's more than than the American Athletic without Conference tournament in Orlando? Yeah, without a question, not even close. Just want everybody to hear that again. Yeah, they they seriously get it done. The fans uh, come. It's got to the point a lot of times in North Carolina they actually at the educational level. Uh, particularly for urban schools, they make sure that the spring break coincides with the CIAA tournament because a lot of those institutions develop teachers, and so they teach in the area, stay in that area oftentimes, and they found out one time that the load got so heavy that student that uh, for those teachers that didn't have the ability to take days off, they were literally calling sick. They were going to the tournament. You weren't going to stop that. So they said, this is not going to work. Let's be a little smart about the business of what we're going to do. I thought that is fascinating to kind of learn that as the history. But as we close up here, uh, top five, Dillard, Blue Devils, 17-10, 7-4. They remain at the fifth spot. At number four, Virginia State Trojans, 20-5, 14-2. They remain at the fourth spot. That refrain will stay the same as number three, Langston Lions, 26 or 12-3. They remain at the third spot. Number two, Talladega Tornadoes. 23 and 4, 10 and 1 in the conference race. They're ranked nationally uh, in the NIA with, along with Langston as they getting it done there. Uh, you talk about Langston ranked number 11 nationally on the men's side, uh, just behind Talladega ranked number 3 nationally. One thing that I think is interesting in the Red River Athletic Conference, which obviously has St. Thomas of Houston right here in our backyard. Right, right. As KG was over there watching some games, I think it was against Wiley, that he got a chance to get over there and was tweeting some things out in regards to that game, is the number one team at the NIA level, both on the women's and men's side, they do not, they are not HBCUs, but they play in a conference with HBCUs, and they actually play in the same conference with St. Thomas Houston. That is the Red River Athletic Conference. You have Our Lady of the Lake on the women's side coming in with a 24-2 record, ranked number one in the NIA NAIA, I should say, and Louisiana State, Alexandria, ranked number one on the men's side. Red River, Red River Athletic Conference, bringing it strong to have that. And you have Langston and Houston Tillerson and Langston on the women's side, respectively, uh, getting it done, ranked top 25 or right behind them. So I think something to keep your eyes on, bringing us to the number one team, mid-major on the men's side team that I continue to say I'm keeping my eyes on and kind of keeping my fingers crossed to be honest is the Stillman Tigers 25 and 5 16 and 1 they're ranked number 25 nationally they continue to show off in the SIAC get it done again this is a team we've heard about in terms of the university looking like they're going to have to pull the plug from athletics except for a few programs from what I've been able to do on the research it does look like they will have to leave the NCAA division 2 but they're trying to find a space at the NAIA level probably in the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference, uh, oddly enough, uh, to be able to maintain some level of athletics for the institution as they try to make sure that they keep the institution open and remain strong, which is a good thing. On the women's side, jumping over here, North Carolina A&T State Aggies is getting interesting. Last two weeks, four or five games for both the MEAC, the SWAC. Uh, you're getting into the last games for the OVC as they play, they're actually a tournament a week early. I'll give you some updates on Tennessee State when we get to the men's side as the women uh, continue to fall on hard times as they won the regular season in their division and the tournament last year. They could not repeat 
um, as it looks like they're even having trouble maybe getting into their respective OVC tournament for the women. Five is North Carolina A&T State Aggies, 14-10, 10-3. They were not ranked. They dropped in. They had a great week picking up two big-time wins. They're playing some good basketball. Number four, Southern Lady Jaguars, 15-9, 12-3. They had a big win on the road against Alabama State that was probably playing the best basketball on the women's side of the HBCU program. And number three, Alabama State Lady Hornets. They still stay at number three, although they had the tough loss, 13-10, 11-3 to Southern. At number two, you have the Hampton Lady Pirates, 12-14, 23 They remain number two. They had uh, a loss this weekend, but one in terms of a win-loss record, but they're still hanging strong. Texas Southern Lady Tigers have right the ship, if you would, as they continue to move forward, 16-8, 12-2, but they have some big contests coming up in a couple of weeks as you basically have the SWAT playing like four games in like 10 days, which is ridiculous to me, but that's how they decided to do it. But we'll talk about that a little later. But it starts this weekend with the Texas schools having the Alabama schools make that long road trip. So the Alabama A&M Bulldogs and the Alabama A&M are here this weekend. A&M Bulldogs are down at Prairie View on Saturday. And Alabama State Hornets are here at Texas Southern University. Senior night for Texas Southern University, both on the women and men's side. So that'll be interesting to take place to see how those things handle. Alabama State on the men's side are playing some very good basketball. So that should be a good matchup. As you see, Prairie View has won four of the last five. Yep, that's so it'll right. Be interesting to see what they're going to do uh, as the coach Byron. Uh, tries to make a statement. Byron Smith is doing it. He's he's turned things around, and and uh, Jaron Johnson was named Swag Player of the Week for the fellows for Prairie View. Well deserved for him. Uh, I am still watching with the beleaguered eye as they did that against the bottom well yeah. three four teams of the conference. So credits to him for wins. Don't want to take that away, but I do want to make sure people understand. Yeah, yeah. it was against the bottom four teams. So this is for a chance for though for him to make a statement against Alabama A&M, uh, who's still struggling, so maybe not there, but definitely against Alabama State that has pushed the slide in the arrow going up. Let's move over talking about Alabama State on the men's side of how they're playing basketball, very good basketball. Let's go over to the men's side. Look at Tennessee State Tigers, 19-8, and 10-4. They dropped one spot after their loss. I can give you an update. As of Thursday, took another tough loss. Tennessee Martin, that probably puts them out of the divisional race. They were trying to trend up into it. Uh, they were tied with Tennessee Tech for second place. One loss behind uh, Belmont, but it looks like this probably is the finer dagger, if you would, in terms of at least having a chance to make a run at the divisional. But it looks like they should be in position to get into the OVC tournament. And we'll see what happens. You know, anything goes. Uh, on those dance nights so they can still put on their dancing shoes. We shall see. And number four, Norfolk State Spartans, 14, 14 10, and 3. Uh, they dropped one spot if they split last weekend. They had a big win on uh, ESPNU last Saturday as they get it done. Number three is South Carolina State Bulldogs, 16 and 12, 11 and 3. They were not ranked, uh, but they jump into the poll as they get back to their winning ways. Hampton Pirates, 16 and 9, 11 and 2. Uh, remaining at the two spot, the Texas Southern Tigers continue to get it done. Only one loss to those Prairie View Panthers that we talked about. That was the quality win of those three that they have gotten in the last couple of games. So it'll be interesting to see how those things go. And the team dropping out this week was the Southern Jaguars. If they took a loss 
uh, to Alabama A&M. They got drubbed, so that's why I said it may be interesting to see what goes on with the Bulldogs because this was a team preseason that right. was supposed to be in the top three, had four seniors. Uh, Ladarius Tab was a preseason. He's gotten hurt, but it looks like he's supposed to be feeling much better and getting over his injury, so we'll see what goes on on the hill when we get our next podcast. We'll give you an update on that, and I think that is something to watch in terms of what's going on in the HBCU sporting landscape. Obviously, Prairie View on the baseball side got off to a big some big wins as they went down to play in the Major League Baseball Urban League Classic. Southern is struggling. They've let a lot of players go. Um, they, as FAMU gets off the APR issue, it looks like Southern will take a hit and get on it for baseball as they were found to have seven to eight years they reported themselves found out as an audit kind of revealed it so that was a good thing that um they were over awarding the scholarship allotment and they had some students that did not perform very well in the classroom this fall so they decided to um move forward and so it'll be interesting so a lot of people frustrated with kadar they think he should have cut some of that a lot of it is on the administrative side but it goes both ways in a lot of ways so that's something that is frustrating a lot of Jaguar fans out there. And so that will be one thing to keep your head your heads on is they got really beat up uh, as they have not won a game this season. They went 0-3 in the tournament, losing 15-0 to at one point to Grambling State, the rival. So that was a heartbreaker. And then you had Prairie View defeating Alcorn State, the Braves, in a nice matchup there and then getting a 4-3 pitchers duel if you would over Grambling State the Tigers so Prairie View uh, many people with the new coach down there weren't wasn't sure that they would get that done so we'll keep keep your eyes on baseball as it kind of warms up and won't let you forget that that's going on y'all the, will keep your eyes on baseball college level well you know you, know, you and Wildcat will do that the, yeah uh, that's that's fine that's that's what that's what we have professional level to I get into that later part of the season but college I get into it a little earlier I'm also a voter on the oh, Black College Nine there you go uh, in terms of baseball so it's my duty okay uh, to keep up with uh, baseball particularly as a HBCU aficionado. Uh, I will say that I'll make sure that I have that information for those fans that want it. And 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 Wildcat will as well. Let me give a little plug mention for the Wildcat in his blog because when you touched on uh, St. Thomas, Wildcat has on his blog. You can go to uh, AKSVVCSR on the blogger blog dot com as well. Blogspot. He has interviews. With the St. Thomas basketball coach Anthony Medina, men's basketball coach Anthony Medina, and women's basketball coach Jay Cross. And Coach Cross used to be on a assistant coach at Rice. He's now the head coach, first year at St. Thomas. And she never did tell me the schedule, send me the schedule of her players, even though she asked me to come, she challenged me to come see them play this year. The season's almost over now, so I will take the blame for that. It's on, it's on her, even though obviously I could have Googled it or whatever if I wanted, if I really. Had the time to go over there and, and see them play, but I think they. She told Wildcat in the interview that if they get they split on the road, they'll qualify for the uh, conference tournament. That's a good thing. So, uh, and I and I misspoke. The uh, American Athletic Conference uh, Championship begins Thursday, March tenth. The men's tournament. Really, no point talking about the uh, women's tournament, the UConn Invitational. <laughs> I mean, that's all that is, you know. 
you know, the UConn fans will go support them at Mohegan Sun and watch UConn roll through the conference three times. So, but on women's side, uh, SMU women's basketball coach Rhonda Rompola announced that she will retire from head coaching uh, after 25 years in coaching. Uh, this season will be her last wow. year at, at, at SMU. Um, I, I know one of the people who will be uh, applying for the job. We'll see word on that uh, this week. Wow. I won't uh, mention it because I haven't talked to him, asked him if it's okay if I publicize that yet. So I need to do that. So um, those two things there. And Doc touched on it. The SWAC, four games left. We got game on Saturday, the 27th of February, Monday the 29th. And then this is uh, Thursday and Saturday, March 3rd and March 5th. So, Doc, that's really you. That's four games in eight days. I told you. So, yeah. So, that's that's a lot. And then the tournament starts on March 8th. So, so you got teams playing March 5th. They're in that first day of games. They're playing March 8th. So, then they'd have played – uh, that'd be a fifth game in roughly 10, 11 days. Yes. Well, that, mm. and mm. That'll make a run in the tournament. Yeah, it'd be dog-tired by, by a championship. And mm, boy, what's unfortunate about that is uh, you win that on Saturday. Um, we know they don't want to call it the playing game, but that first-round game is on Tuesday. Yep. Tuesday and Wednesday. So my argument is the fact that you know your conference in a lot of time. Uh, has one of the lower APRs. So there is a chance that you're playing that open round game. RPI. The RPI, excuse yep. me, is, is one of the lower conferences oftentimes. You might have a team that puts themselves outside of that, that goes on a run. This year would have been Southern of what they did in non-conference schedule. They haven't seemed to be able to put it together in the conference schedule. So even if they win the tournament, there is a high likelihood that they might find themselves in that open round game. So essentially my point is you can have a team that plays, what, seven, eight games yep. in about 13 days. Let's, yeah, let's, let's see. Assuming TSU is that team. I mean, I don't think it matters. The SWAC representative will be playing in the first-round game, either Tuesday or Thursday, and that will be uh, 15th or 16th. So you got the four games in this season, conference season. Four and, and eight. Then, that's four and eight days. And then you have the conference, the SWAC tournament, starting on March 8th. So let's say that's, that's TSU. TSU plays March 9th, let's just say. Yeah. So that would be – they'll play three games because they'll, you know, yep. they'll be – they play in the first round. Finals, yep. So that would be three. So that's, finals and finals. so that's seven games in two weeks, a little less. And then the, play, the uh, first round game makes eight games. Yeah, so that would be about eight games in 15 days. Yeah, it's almost a game every other day. I think you're playing the NBA schedule. And even the NBA is trying to get away, get, get away from that. So, yeah. So, that's so my point is is you don't necessarily give your team uh, the best op- option of, of playing well in the game that everybody's going to be watching. Why would you do that to yourself? St- strategically, that doesn't make sense. When you have, At least when you have the option. You could literally play two games. Back in December, sure. The MEAC does it, right? Um, several other conferences does it. If you want to, you could do what the OVC does and push the ter- tournament even up a week, right? Give yourself more time to prepare for the or what? playing game. So there's some options out there not to do it. Not to mention 
which where I'm really coming from, what is the health on the college athlete playing these games, not to mention the amount of class time that they're missing? Doc, Doc, you talking about the student athletes? Yes, I'm talking about the college athletes. <laughs> and that is a great way to end the podcast right there because Doc and I, any listeners know how we feel in Wildcat as well. These are college athletes. Media and in and, and the teams and the NCAA people can refer to them as student athletes all they want to. Right. We won't do that here on these podcasts. No. They are college athletes. And we'll lean more toward all them employees than we will lean toward call them student athletes. Every time. So, and that's what, that's how we do it on the KG Fifth World Wildcat and Doc Podcast. You can catch us on SoundCloud. Catch us on iTunes. You can go to. Get your shirts. Definitely get your shirts, and I will do better and, and get closer and, and start putting that on the uh, home page of the HoustonRoundBarReview.com as well. Start taking uh, uh, payments via PayPal. So that's all me to get that done before my birthday. It's on March 14th, and we're getting into uh, tournament time and March Madness and all those wonderful things. So, yeah. I have the first. So uh, thank you very much. And uh, so, yeah, because we got, we got SWAC games to cover when the tournament's in town. So we'll be doing that. Absolutely. And you can uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, Doc is, where are you on Twitter? Dr. Kenyatta Caville, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That is Dr. Kenyatta Caville. Just spell it out and you'll get there. And that is not only on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. It's all the same. And see, he did it. He did it smart. Did a little better than me because I'm Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram, Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube. I am not Houston Round Bar Review on Twitter. I am the HR Review on Twitter. The website is HoustonRoundBarReview.com. But our podcasts are on iTunes, SoundCloud.com, podcast uh, directory. You can check us out on the uh, Facebook page of the KG, Facebook Wildcat and Doc there as well. Doc, thank you as always for your insight. Listeners, thank you very much. You can uh, tweet us. And and you can also go to THG-agency.com. So, yeah, we're everywhere. We're all over the I all over the Internet. We're all over the know. social media platforms, and we're still working on some more things. to uh, Certainly. To uh, continue getting Amen. better. And, and uh, we're learning. You're never too old to learn. We're living proof of that, and we're all trying to get better. And we'll, we have more things in store for you as we uh, – progress through 2016 so uh keep listening to us and thank you for your support i'm gonna wrap it up as i always do in conclusion be true be cool and do more